Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris. Last time we went through chapter 35 of our book of the Words of Jesus and we were talking about Jesus's commission to his disciples and how he commissioned them when he sent them out and empowered them over all the power of the enemy. Um, very interesting diatribe. Um, uh, and I, and I, should, uh, I need to go through each of these points, at least the higher of these points. Many of these things are covered again in his words in, in, in the rest of the series. So, you know, for the sake of not having to reiterate, let me just go through some of these uh, points here and talk about them. Uh, you rem- I hope you saw the, the last show where we read this through from one end to the other. And uh, if not, um, uh, y- these, this is available in your Bible. Uh, this is a, actually a compilation of Matthew 9, uh, Mark 6, and Luke 9. Uh, where he commissions his disciples. So um, you can take a look at that. Um, talk to the ministers last time, uh, because I think that, uh, I don't know, we get caught up in our, in our modern ideas and understandings of, uh, of the way church ought to be run and the way things ought to be done and, and what we should preach, what's acceptable and unacceptable and this kind of thing. And I think we forget sometimes that we were commissioned to preach the gospel. We are commissioned to preach what changes people's lives. And uh, it starts with the word, you know, you know what, it, what the gospel starts with? It starts with the word repent. This is a very uncomfortable thing. Jesus knew that he sent 12 men out with this kind of power, undeniable power, undeniable authority. And the first word out of their mouth is repent. In other words, you need to change. It's going to cause some trouble. And, he's, and he warned them, this is going to cause trouble. This could cost you your life if you're not careful. And, uh, and he said, beware of men. Um, we're not, uh, you know, if, if, I just can't find where the Lord says, you need to, be, you need to beware of the devil. <laughs> no, we need to beware of men. Uh, you know, I don't know that the devil's ever shot anybody or hung anybody or thrown him in prison. Uh, but I do know that evil and wicked men do, especially when you tell them that they need to change their ways. Let's get started into uh, this, this fairly long speech that he made to his disciples. Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the, any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, I think it's difficult for us Gentiles to accept the fact that Jesus didn't come to save us. Uh, we have been we've been brought into the kingdom of God by default. Uh, and you have to understand a very sorrowful default. Um, our Lord, I, I think his intention was to save the Gentiles, uh, but we were to be cons- we were to be saved as companions of his chosen people. But his chosen people rejected him. He gave uh, parable after parable, story after story, that depict exactly what happened in these times that the householder uh, created a feast and nobody came. And so he said, go out and get 
you know, the lesser of, of mankind and bring them in here. Well, hi, lesser of mankind. That's us. I mean, we have to admit that. It's just us. And we're sitting in seats that were, you know, that's got somebody else's name on them. The little place card in the, in the, at, the, at the feast has somebody else's Who's this? <laughs> well, it's not you. But he did come to, ch- to save all of Israel. He did not come to save the Gentiles and, um, or the Samaritans or anybody else that was outside of his commandments. We have to admit that, but um, we don't have to necessarily be ashamed of it. There are people that really take offense at this kind of thing. The, they believe that when Jesus came, he came to save the whole world. Well, he came to save his whole world, but he didn't come to save the whole world. Not yet. I believe that it was going to be part of uh, the millennial reign of Christ, as a matter of fact. This is all my conjecture. I, you know, I could, I could take you through the scriptures and tell you how I came to that conclusion, but it's, it's almost inconsequential, other than the fact that uh, when you start talking about replacement theology, that the Lord replaced Israel with what we now call the church. That's just, that's just a hodgepodge of convoluted thinking that really gets us nowhere other than gives us some reason to be proud of ourselves, like we need that. Um, so when he said, um, here's what I want you to do. First, this is where I want you to go. Second, this is what I want you to do. I want you to preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, friend, um, this was uh, news to the Jew, uh, that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And, uh, and, and he, he was, I think he was saying that you're going to be preaching an unbelievable gospel. Therefore, I'm going to give you the power over the enemy uh, in that you're going to have the ability to heal the sick and raise the dead and these kind of things that are, are going to undeniably settle in the minds of of everyone around you that you are indeed my disciple and that uh, you've been commissioned of the Lord God himself. So don't take lightly what I'm telling you. Um, I think that if prophets spent more time, uh, and I I say prophets because we're in the vein of thinking this way, uh, but I think that if preachers today understood that they were commissioned by the Almighty God to preach the gospel, if they were, Many of them are not. Many of them go to the book of Acts and pick up, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and say, well, there's my commission. No, that was the disciples' commission, not yours. You need to get yours from the Lord. And when you do, I think that, uh, and, and if, you, if you don't, it's probably because you don't understand the sovereignty of our Lord God and that uh, there's certain things that you're not going to be able to circumnavigate a lot of these things. One of them is repentance. You can't do that. You can't, and you can't throw away the law. I mean, Paul made it clear that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Well, how are you bringing them to Christ, preacher? Are you not bringing them through the law? Because uh, is this your deal or his? All right. So we have to be, uh, I think uh, we as ministers have to be more careful about exactly what we preach. It's not up to you. It's not up to the little book of sermons that you bought at the Christian bookstore. It's not up to, you know, your book of, of new preaching outlines or, you know, what you just read in Christianity Today last week or any of the rest of this stuff. We're supposed to be preaching the gospel. Well, if I preach the gospel every week, how am I going to grow a church that way? It's not up to you to grow a church. 
if you preach the gospel, then you get up in touch with the Lord Jesus, and he adds to the church daily, such as should be saved. You know, your job would be a lot easier, preacher. It's no wonder preachers are killing themselves right and left. It's, I mean, I don't mean to, it's not a comical thought, but wow, when you think about it, you've taken on a commission that's not yours to do a job that's not yours, that, is, that your so-called Lord has clearly said, this is my job, and you're doing it, and you're complaining that you're not equipped. And uh, you get depressed because you can't seem to make a dent in things, and you can't seem to control your own thoughts and your own body and your own problems. And you're thinking, well, how can I help others? Well, you can't. You can't. There's no sense in getting depressed over it. Just join us. Join us, us, us nobodies. You know, we have one teacher, the Lord Jesus, and all of you are brethren. And the quicker you realize that, the, the better minister you're going to be. Jesus said that um, uh, freely have received and freely give. Um, this is a, a concept that I think should be brought into every portion of our lives because the, I think that the Lord makes it very clear that his intention is for us to have the kingdom of God. It's a, the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. He gives us revelation. He gives us uh, you know, even uh, uh, physical sustenance. And this is why we should, uh, our fast shouldn't be for, you know, a reason or an opportunity for us to, to uh, afflict our souls. It should be a chance for us to take our food and deal it to the, to the poor. Why? Freely you've received, freely give. If people got a hold of this concept, welfare, they'd be out of business. It'd be dealing with lost people. It would be, it certainly wouldn't be dealing with church people, but uh, we, we just simply don't do that. Jesus told them, he says, when you enter into a town, um, inquire who in it is worthy. I wonder if you're capable of doing that. Do you think you could do that? Do you think that you know even the right questions? Inquire, it says to inquire. You need to ask people who in it is worthy. Not ask their opinion, but you need to inquire. You need to ask, do you even know how to find a righteous man or a person who is in a particular town or congregation that indeed is worthy? Worthy of what? Worthy of you staying there. Because when you find that, this, this person, when you find this person is worthy, he says, there's where you need to abide. And I don't want you to go from house to house and, and begging and crying and bawling and squalling about your condition. What I want you to do is, is go into that house and I want you to, to bless that house and let your peace come upon that house. Now you may find later on that other people's opinion about this particular fellow, this particular house, this particular whatever you have decided is going to be your lodging is not worthy. Well, that's very, very possible. And if it is, let your, peace, let your peace return to you. I just wonder how much that average Christians out there that you know that just pretty much do their thing and go to church and to Sunday school, and do they even understand what the Lord is saying about let your peace come on something or let it return to yourself? I don't think a lot of people even understand that. Um, because, well, frankly, a lot of people don't have peace within themselves. They don't know how to speak peace to a situation. They, d they just simply don't know how. They've been so busy, you know, studying the attributes of God and whether or not 
uh, you know, uh, you know uh, studying through the, the findings of the Nicene Council, you know, or whatever they're doing, you know, in seminaries, that they never really spend any time with looking within themselves to find what peace is there, what peace is not, how to speak peace to a situation, and how to let it return to yourself. Um, uh, many, and we're going to cover a lot of these things, so I'm kind of skipping through if you'll allow me. But um, I'm, I'm trying to create curiosity, of perhaps even an appetite in you to find out, my goodness, there's a lot of what Jesus said that doesn't apply to me simply because I don't understand what he's saying. But as you begin to think red ink, these kind of things will come to you. Um, he's saying to, he says, if you find out that this house is unworthy, I want you to shake the dust off of your feet. Now, is this something that he wants us to do physically? Well, frankly, I have done it, but uh, physically. But um, I don't know that that is the primary reason for what he's saying. He's saying that you need to walk away from this situation and let nothing that they that could even be considered theirs stick to you, not even the dust. Um, and this is a decision that we make within ourselves. Uh, it's not to go off and tell ugly stories about people that treated you wrong. Um, but you just need to stand back and and clean yourself of whatever they tried to attach to you. But, and and, and it, do you need incentive for this? Do you need incentive to not talk about these people and you know be ugly about them and tell all your friends what what ridiculous ideas they have or whatever and not gossip about them? Do you need incentive? Jesus is giving it to you. You need to realize those people are in trouble. Serious trouble. You see, it'll be more tolerable for those in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for those people. Is that incentive enough for you to keep your mouth shut? I, th I think it should be. Jesus says, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. He was not ignorant about what kind of trouble he, he was sending his disciples into. Um, never met a man in the military that was a, of any leadership position that didn't uh, have the opinion that it is an awesome and, and even horrible responsibility to take men, to lead men into war, and uh, knowing that not all of them were coming back. I think Jesus was well aware of this situation. I'm sending you to sheep among wolves. I'm sending you out with an answer to supply the need of your enemy, that your enemy needs help. Who was their enemy, by the way? Who were these wolves that were going to eat them alive? Well, it's clear it wasn't the Gentiles. It's clear it wasn't the Samaritans. Who was it? It was God's people. You need to be careful of these people. And he says, beware of men. Because, look, they're going to, they're going to send you to prison. They're going to treat you badly. And they're going to do it all in the name of Jesus. Well, of course, they didn't. But uh, it's, it, you have to understand, just because somebody's motivations or their spoken actually their spoken motivations are um, semantically in line with god's motivations or what they think is uh it doesn't it doesn't mean that what they're doing is right 
You need to be confident within yourself. I can't get that across to, to people as much as I really want to. You are totally competent to lead your spiritual life. You need to quit thinking that you need somebody else to lead you by the hand. You don't. All you need is time before the Father. This is why I tell you, keep the commandments. Never disobey your conscience. Take time every day to hear the voice of God. This is so incredibly important for everybody, and especially you. You need to understand that you, you should have this confidence. If you don't have this confidence, you're going to listen to other men. You're going to care what they think about you. You're not going to want to shake the dust off your feet. You're going you're gonna to want to be a part of them because you're not confident and you're needy. And you ought not be needy. You don't need anything but me, Jesus says. And he says, I'm going to send you a sheep amidst, amidst the wolves. And he says, now look, you need to know, these people may be your enemy. But uh, look, I want you to understand that you need to be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Not wise as doves and harmless as serpents, which seems to be the case in many times. Because, you know, a dove, you know why? It's just, it just coos and it just loves everybody that, that gets near it. It sings its little song. It mates for life. It's a wonderful little bird. Well, let me tell you, it might be a wonderful little bird, but if it gets near that serpent, it's going to be food. Now, so when it comes to your interaction with other people, it should be that you're harmless as doves. But you need to be as wise as a serpent. Um, it's, it's probably worth your study to take a look at, at snakes. I know nobody likes to do that. I certainly don't. I th have I ever told you about my snake, snake identification um, procedure? You just cut its head off and look at it and see if it's poison or not. <laughs> I don't know what's poison or what's not. I just, I'm afraid of all of them. I'm sorry. It just puts cold, cold chills up my back. I don't even like to think about it. But as far as uh, them, you think about, can you imagine being hungry and not having any legs or arms? <laughs> These guys get along just fine. They seem to just, you know, find something to eat down there on the ground, on their, on their belly, rolling in the dust, sliding. You ever see a, a snake on concrete? How do they do that? <laughs> well, you know, we all, we all have our, our little bits of wisdom we need to survive and he's saying that uh, don't be a serpent as far as uh, the way you treat other people. You know, you, nothing wrong with using their wisdom. Nothing wrong with being, you know, being sharp, being tactful. But harmless, harmless as a dove. People ought not be afraid of you. And I say that to myself all the time because a lot of people seem to be. All right, um, he says, um, when uh, they do deliver you up, he says, I don't want you to think about what you're going to say to defend yourself. Now, I have found in my own experience that I essentially never have to do this, so I don't do it. People, you know, will want to accuse you of this or that or whatever. I don't even defend myself. I, I don't. Um, you know, okay, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh, I'm sorry... You know, I, I think the facts speak differently. I'm telling you it's a different situation, but I know you're going to pretty much believe whatever you want to believe. And if you want me to defend myself, you're out of luck. I'm not going to do it. Uh, you know, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to live a life before the Lord that is 
above reproach, if that is possible to do that, and that's what I'm going to do, and hopefully that'll be enough for you. Uh, it's not in some cases. But uh, I don't think that we're here to defend ourselves. And he says that if you do find yourself in a situation, the Spirit of God will tell you in that hour what to speak. And they will neither, it doesn't say it here, but in the other gospel, it says that what I tell you to speak, you're going to say that in public, and here's what you're going to notice. They're not going to be able to gainsay nor resist. Man, I have experienced that. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing to walk in a situation and turn around and walk out because of what you said that was outside of your capability of wisdom, outside your capability of knowledge in a lot of cases. But, uh, you know, he's just just great about delivering us. And in a lot of cases, he will do that with your own mouth if you listen to what he has to say. Now... um, Oh, by the way, and if you premeditate, the other one of the other gospels says, when you get in this situation, don't premeditate what you're going to say. Don't think, well, if they say this, I'm going to say this. If they accuse me of this, I'm going to defend myself this way. You know what you're doing? You're filling up your little cubby hole. You're you're putting bullets into the into the cylinder of your pistol, and um, and there's just no room for the for the word of God to come to you to tell you what to do. You got to be empty. You got to suffer wrongfully. You've got to put up with it. And, and you can do that if you know the plan ahead of time. Here's the plan ahead of time. I've often said that, you know, the book of Job would be a totally different book if it started out any other way other than there came a time when the sons of men came to present themselves before the Lord. And here's the conversation that ensued. And this is how all this began. And this is how it started. We start out reading about the sorrows and and troubles of Job, knowing exactly what's going on. Remember, Job didn't. This was unexplained to him. You know, we we come in reading the book at a huge advantage. Well, this is your your warning, your forearming right here. This is is what uh, um, he's done to help us arm ourselves. This is the way it's going to be. And he told me, he says, remember, in some cases, that I told you before. Remember, I told you before. It's a, it's a wonderful tool that I think is underused because, well, frankly, we don't think red ink. All right, uh, then he says, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. This goes and flies in the face of many ideas about witnessing, that every person you meet, it's just critical that they get saved or that... It's critical that they understand exactly what you're trying to say, and it's critical that they, you know, that it turn out this way or that way. And you know, you plead with them, and you cry with them, and you beg them, and you do whatever you got to do to get them saved. That's not what Jesus says. You know, look, they reject you here. Go to the other city. There's people there. That's that's his attitude. I don't see him, uh, you know, crying over somebody who, you know, wants to call him Beelzebub. He doesn't explain to them anything. He, just, he, he might tell them what a hypocrite they are and walk away, but he walks away. And many times, we just make the situation worse by staying there and thinking, oh, if they can just see reason. Oh, if they could just hear the scriptures. Oh, if they could just hear my preacher, they would repent. Look, friend, you repented because you were called of God. 
They may not be. And that's, that's just a, I mean, it's just a fact of Scripture that some people aren't called. They're just not called. And you've got to be careful when you're throwing those pearls out, to, out there. He doesn't say don't throw your pearls before swine because they're going to trample them in the ground and you're going to lose it. You're going you're to be poorer than when you walked in. No. He says don't throw pearls before swine because they're going to stomp them in the earth because they're going to realize this is not what I want. This is not the food that I require. And as soon as they realize this, as soon as it comes to them that what you've thrown out there has no value to them at all, Jesus says they will turn again and they'll tear you. That's what it means when it says they'll rend you. They're, they're going to attack you. This is a very dangerous situation. It's not a take it or leave it smorgasbord. They're going to be mad that you're not giving them what they want. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It's enough for the disciple to be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? I hope you don't think that because you're going to go out there in the name of Jesus in a three-piece suit and you're going to preach the gospel and you're going to be all smiley-faced and happy that everybody's going to love you. It's not true. Not if you're telling them the truth. It's not lovely. Not if you're giving them the, the, the very word from God to their soul. You need to understand that. When I do that, they're trying to kill me. When I do that, they're calling me the dung god. You have to understand they're persecuting me every time I turn around. You think they're going to call me Beelzebub and they're going to call you Reverend Jim or Reverend whoever? You really? You think that? You are wrong about that. And if they do speak well of you, you need to go home and check, your, check the gospel that you're preaching. Because these men in the world, they don't speak nicely about anybody except their own. They only speak nicely of the false prophets. He says that, now look, this might come to death. This might come to the point where you're going to have to die. You remember I told you? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Take up your cross, what do you think that means? This means that you need to be dedicated to this and willing to die for what you teach, die for what you believe. You're going to have to die for this. This is extremely important that you understand that this could cost you your life. Now, look, here's the thing you need to know. If they kill you out in the middle of the desert and nobody knows you're there except the, the birds, you need to know that birds are very important to our Father and none of them fall to the ground that He's not there when they do. And He'll be there when you do too. He continues, but we can't. Time is up. We're gonna, we'll take a look at this next time. You be sure to be a part of that broadcast. Can I hear from you? Write to me at don at thinkredinc.com or write to Think Red Inc. Ministries, P.O. Box 718, Pytown, New Mexico. All right, till then, my friend, Think Red Inc. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Inc. Ministries. Email don at thinkredinc.com. That's thinkredinc.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.